Up next is Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Pete's Ponderings is a selection of Pete's candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis, taken from his show, Afternoons. Listen to the live broadcast of Peter Williams' Afternoon Show at 1pm, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, what to make of the big New Zealand steel announcement yesterday. The taxpayer is contributing $140 million to a $300 million project to reduce the company's emissions by 45% and reduce the country's emissions by 1%. Now, this is all very well, and it will no doubt wash well with those who are the climate alarmists, who believe that if we reduce the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere, the planet won't heat by 1.5 degrees, and the world will be a better place because of it. But the whole thing is surely bumpkin. If CO2 does indeed influence the world's climate, and there are many eminently clever and qualified scientists who say it doesn't, New Zealand only produces 0.17% of the world's emissions, so what we do will make no difference at all. Yet, here are the taxpayers, in a time of economic trouble handing over $140 million to an Australian company to make steel in New Zealand in a supposedly more environmentally friendly way. That is called corporate welfare, and it's of the highest order. Bluescope, the Aussie company that owns New Zealand Steel, said they wouldn't be doing this themselves unless the government helped. So if the government is putting so much money towards New Zealand Steel, surely the government should get something back in return, maybe, like... A cut of the profits, for example? Don't we have a better use of $140 million for something that will not make any physical difference to the world? It is money literally disappearing into fresh air. And taxpayers deserve better. Now, the Labour MP Arena Williams tweeted last week that her father, who has 10 prescriptions a month at his local pharmacy, will now save $50 a month because of the new policy that her government announced in the budget last week. And then playing the poor Maori card, she said he won't have to choose between heating his bedroom and his health. Uh, she was quickly put in her place when it was pointed out that no one individual has to pay more than $100 in a calendar year for prescriptions anyway. So after two months, her father would have no charge on his scripts. And that as her father was an academic dean, her mother was a GP, uh, the family would not exactly be on the poverty line anyway. But the dropping of the $5 charge has raised a few issues since it was announced in the budget last Thursday. The National Party made a complete dog's breakfast of their announcement, saying they would reinstate it. Surely the approach to take would be to target the dropping of the fee. Uh, as it is, it's estimated that only around 3% of people uh, don't get their medications because of the cost. If that is the case, let's target them and save hundreds of millions of taxpayer money over the next four years. And the big corporate pharmacies like Chemist Warehouse and Countdown, who didn't charge the $5 anyway but paid the fee themselves, have now been given, according to researcher Lindsay Mitchell, another $17 million they can either add to their profits or use to discount other products. The Labour government's universal benefits like free prescriptions and the winter heating are nice to get, but gee, they're inefficient 
and uneconomical. A government with its eye on the purse strings should be and would be way more careful with our money than that. I see that Israel Folau is back in the news again. One of the best Australian rugby players of recent times is lining up in the Barbarians team to play a World 15 at Twickenham in London in a festival match this coming weekend. But because he's playing, the Rugby Football Union, the RFU who own Twickenham, are going to fly a Pride Progress flag at the stadium during the match. And there'll be a piece in the Match Day program, the Match Day publication, expressing support for the LGBTQ plus community because, according to the RFU, rugby wants to be inclusive to all players, staff and fans, regardless of their identity or background. So good for them. But would they be flying this flag or putting this piece in the program booklet if Israel Folau wasn't playing? Of course not. And if the RFU are so insistent on being inclusive, why don't they fly the Christian ecumenical flag at the stadium too, to recognise the religion of one of their star attractions? After all, I'd predict that most people at the ground for the match will have been raised as Christians and would actually feel excluded by the Pride Progress flag. It's a weird old world, isn't it? Why doesn't the RFU just concern itself with rugby? Israel Folau himself probably isn't too concerned. After all, he's back playing. He's banked a few million thanks to Rugby Australia's botched processes a few years back. And he watches on while the world gets itself in a terrible tangle over things like diversity and inclusiveness issues. It's weird, isn't it? You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, John Cleese is, in my mind, one of the all-time great comedians. His comedy is what comedy is supposed to be, laughing at life with blazing satire. Over 40 years ago, you might remember, he and his Monty Python colleagues wrote and starred in The Life of Brian, cutting satire on Christianity. One of the most famous scenes in the movie is one where the character Stan, played by Eric Idle, says he wants to be a woman known as Loretta and have babies. He is told how ridiculous the idea is by the John Cleese character. How's the baby going to gestate, says Cleese? In a box? Uh, In the end, the scene concludes that Stan has a right to have a baby, even though he can't physically have one. So John Cleese and Eric Idle are now looking to put The Life of Brian on the stage. But that scene has been dropped as, according to the actors, you can't do this in 2023 because you'll offend trans people. I'm surprised that John Cleese has surrendered to this. The scene in 1979 could be remembered as one of the most prescient in all of movie history. And isn't the conclusion the most logical solution to an intractable physical problem? Oh well, the persistently offended have had another win and our ability to laugh at the ridiculous suffers again. At least we have YouTube for now to remind us about when life was fun. Now nearly three weeks ago, on May the 3rd, the European Parliament hosted the third international COVID summit. You wouldn't know about it here though, would you? Because the so-called mainstream media has not bothered to report it. I've had various videos from the day brought to my attention, the content of which were enlightening, to say the least. 
Among the speakers were some names familiar to me and probably to you too. Pierre Corey, Byron Bridal, Robert Malone. There were other highly qualified specialists too, like the Italian endocrinologist Giovanni Fragesi, who recounted how the Italian government is refusing to acknowledge abnormal uterine bleeding among vaccinated Italian women. Attendees were told, according to the only written news report that I could find, how the tide is turning against a collapsing COVID consensus as panels of doctors talked about their research challenging the narrative on vaccine trials, the legality of the lockdowns, the dismissal of other treatments like ivermectin and the media coverage of the pandemic. In fact, a Canadian businessman called Jason Christoph compared media coverage of COVID and lockdowns to the brainwashing suffered by captured American soldiers in the Korean War. So you can see it was a no-holds-barred conference putting into the open through the channels of the European Parliament a narrative that most people will not hear or read about. There has been and will be nothing on the mainstream media here, of course, but if you have the time, it's worthwhile having a look. And be pleased, be very pleased, there are highly qualified people pushing back against the story that we've been sold for the last three years. So look up the International COVID Summit online. It's all there, and it is very enlightening. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Uh, This is RCR, Reality Check Radio, Peter Williams in the afternoon show. So last Monday, the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, the DPMC, put out a tender, an RFP, request for proposals. The tender name was, quote, Insights to Build an Empirical Picture of the Disinformation Landscape, unquote. Uh, It's apparently an open and competitive tender process for trustworthy and transparent insights reporting to strengthen our national capacity to identify and address disinformation. Yada, yada, yada. Now, I saw the notice last week. My immediate thought was this is just putting in place a process for the disinformation project. You know, that mysterious outfit uh, led by Kate Hanna. Coincidentally, you see, they recently recommended such a group be set up. How convenient. But the Free Speech Union saw the ad too and decided, in their words, they couldn't sit idly by. So they're organising a counterbid for the project. They've put together a group of academics under the auspices of the Democracy Project, including political scientist uh, Dr Bryce Edwards, former judge David Harvey, and Dr James Kerstad, who's an expert on democracy at Victoria University. So they need a bit of money to put the bid together and they've gone to their mailing list for a donation. The Free Speech Union says their bid will defend free speech and counter lies. But the FSU says it will not accept a politicised, ideological and sensorial use of disinformation where the ultimate goal is to silence opponents. The contract is worth $450,000. But the money isn't the issue here. It's about the forces within government that are working to change the way we feel about free speech and about undermining the right for everyone to have a say. Now, this is a cheeky but absolutely necessary campaign the FSU is undertaking. I will take a winter dip in Lake Dunstan if they win the contract, but let's just see how open and competitive 
this tender process is. The worst thing is, this contract is due to start before the election. The implications are quite frightening. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Right now, your correspondence, which has come into inbox at realitycheck.radio or through text at 2057. This from Yvonne. Uh, In following up on the tragic fire story just now, stuff alluded to the connection between one of the missing people and Chris Hipkins and the protest they had been at together. On searching, I found this. And Yvonne has given me the hyperlink to a story uh, which the headline reads, Apology for Protest Arrests 12 Years Ago. Uh, It's about Chris Hipkins being at a protest, a student protest, I think, along with uh, this man, Liam Hocking, who is one of the missing people in the fire at Loafer's Lodge. Uh, Yvonne goes on to write, The irony isn't lost because Mr Hipkins said, I shouldn't have been arrested for doing nothing more than protesting. And then Yvonne writes uh, rather cryptically at the end, I wonder if our arrested from February 22 will see the same justice eventually. Yvonne, I would certainly hope so. Uh, Now, we've got some really nice comments about the music. Uh, This one says, love your show and thoughts, Pete, plus the tunes. But then this one says, uh, from a slightly different angle, hi there, I wish you wouldn't play songs like Losing My Religion, as we did the other day, the REM hit song. Makes me want to tune out. We need faith to get through this. Uh, Thank you for that thought, uh, commenter. I will pass that on. I think it's Debbie who wrote that. I will pass that on to Paul Brennan, who does the programming for this show. Uh, This one has come and says, uh, Feast of Info, beginning with the political panel, and now Peter Williams and great music choices. Huge thank you to all just relishing RCR. And uh, this comment here. Uh, Peter, love the show. Sort of depressing, though, even though you're preaching to the converted, all politicians should be listening in so they can inject some logic into their policies. Let's hope your voice gets out there. Shame you haven't got a proper radio station yet, only online. I can see why you don't have a frequency, millions of dollars to get one. Maybe AM. Uh, Possibly, Tony, things are being worked on. But I tell you what, having an online radio station is frankly not a bad idea because uh, uh, it's a very easy way to get uh, radio through the internet. And I tell you what, the, uh, the quality of the reception does not deteriorate as you drive along in your car either. And then this is from Kathy. Peter, really enjoy your shows. Thanks so much for what you're doing to raise awareness. I just heard a part of one of your talks where you mentioned, uh, mentioned Rolf Harris. You may not know, but it was discovered that the woman who accused him was a fraud. Very few people know that he was imprisoned under false charges and still think of him as a sex offender. If you want to know more, if you want to know more, contact Leighton Smith, who did quite substantial investigating about this. Yes, I heard that podcast Leighton had with the the author of a book who, who wrote about the Rolf Harris case. I certainly agree when it is undeniable that someone is guilty that in most cases their names should not be suppressed. Thanks again, Kathy. Yes, the point I was making was that Rolf Harris, from the time he was charged, did not have name suppression because in the British court system, name suppression is just not really a thing unless it's a matter of absolute national security. And to have a famous entertainer on sex charges is not regarded as national security. So Rolf Harris now 
is uh, a very ill man, might be in his uh, his last days at the age of 93 after having done, what was it in the end, three years behind bars for those uh, sexual assault charges that he was convicted of. But there is uh, uh, much questioning about whether or not he was indeed stitched up. This is RCR. More of your correspondence is welcome. Inbox at realitycheck.radio is my address. And you can get me through text at 2057. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Uh, Now, there's nothing wrong, I've always thought, with having ambitions for grand buildings and community facilities. You know, it's the foresight of people past that have provided the stunning architecture that survives today in places like uh, Omaru and Napier. Then there's the various sports stadia that have been the passion of people like Neil Craig in Tauranga with the Bay Oval Cricket Ground and the late Ian Edgar with the Forsyth Bar Stadium in Dunedin. Both places had a considerable chunk of ratepayers' money ploughed into their construction, despite the passion and the efforts of those gentlemen that I've mentioned. But now there are two ambitious projects uh, in my part of the world at the moment. They're 50 kilometres apart but they're in different local authorities under different local councils, and they will both cost in excess of $50 million by the time they'd be finished. You see, Cromwell and Wanaka, uh, 50, 53 kilometres apart, both want to have a theatre and performing arts complex in in their modest size, albeit beautiful towns, and they both want their respective councils to pay at least half of the cost. Now, these are classic nice to haves. Sure, they're worthy facilities, but $30 million, even spread over a decade or so of construction, is still a major, major commitment for Central Otago and Queenstown Lakes councils, even if they are in the part of the country with a very, very quickly growing population. Will these facilities ever get built? Will ratepayers and voters think they're important enough to commit $30 million to? And is a four- or 500-seat theatre that important to towns the size of Cromwell and Wanaka? Personally, as a central Otago ratepayer, I would rather my rates were spent elsewhere, but then that is just one voter, one ratepayer speaking. You've been listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can catch Pete's full show combining smooth sounds and candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis and the Peter Williams Afternoon Show on our live broadcasts 1pm Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays right here on RCR Reality Check Radio.